Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Oh God, we pray for your help, for your Holy Spirit to move in a fresh and powerful way as we, as we open your word and listen carefully to what you say to us. This passage is particularly challenging. We need your wisdom. We need clarity. We need your grace. Help us know what it is to love like you in this age of division. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. Luke 12, verses 49 through 56. We've had several parables and explanation of parables, and now we come to this. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. When I read Luke chapter 12, I just want to say, uh, Jesus, I've got some questions. I've got a lot of questions about this. I'm pretty sure, based on the rest of the Bible, that your kingdom is all about peace and that you will bring it. Why these strange words? I mean, go back to Luke 1, John the Baptist's daddy. He says, he will guide our feet in the way of what? He will guide our feet in the way of peace. Peace is there. Jesus in Luke 10, Jesus himself says, uh, go to all the houses and go in those houses and say, peace be on this house. That's what Jesus says. John 17, my peace I give to you. Peace, it's all about peace. The Old Testament, Jesus' own Old Testament peace is at the heart of it. Shalom. What do you mean, Jesus, that you did not come to bring peace? It's a paradox, isn't it? You know what a paradox is, a seemingly contradictory statement hiding a much deeper and more powerful truth. 
my brother, had, my little brother had a friend who uh, would come over to play Mario Brothers sometimes. His parents were well known in our community as just the most calm, peaceful, and sweet people. We all just kind of marveled at his parents. And he was that way too. He was just such a calm and sweet child. One Saturday, he and Adam were, I think they were on about level five of Mario Brothers, which means they've been playing for several hours in our living room. And all at once, our parents got into it in the kitchen. So loud, just hollering at each other, yelling, you know how parents can do sometimes. And Adam and I didn't even notice that anything was happening, but we looked over at Zeke and he was terrified, absolutely blown away. He said, what is happening? What is, he started crying. What is happening? Oh no, what are they doing? I said, I don't know. One of them must have said something the other one didn't like, I guess. That's what usually starts this kind of a thing. (laughs) I said, "Uh, it'll be over in a few minutes and you might even get to hear daddy squeal his tires all the way up the street when he leaves because that's what happens most of the time. Well, Zeke didn't understand. Mama had to take him home. We learned from that little experience that his parents never, ever, ever fought in front of him and that raised voices were not allowed in their house. He didn't get to come over to our house much more after that. (laughs) When we were all teenagers, Zeke's parents stunned the community with with an ugly divorce. He suffered. We all learned that conflict and division simmered just beneath this veneer of false peace. It finally exploded. It takes a long time to get over your life looking so good, but being so broken just beneath the surface. Jesus tells us in chapter 12, false peace is no peace at all. False peace is no peace at all. And that authentic saving faith in Jesus will always confront and disrupt anything that isn't real, including that thin veneer of pretend peace and agreement which we like to keep over our families, our communities, our churches. When it happens, it hurts. It always hurts. Jesus says, I wish we could get it over with. I wish we could get it over with like ripping a Band-Aid off, but this is going to take some time, some suffering, and maybe even a lot of pain. Why? Because we all have to learn to not be addicted to the image of peace and agreement when the reality of peace and the unity of the Spirit that is the bond of peace is within our grasp every single day. Jesus helps the disciples understand that He is bringing judgment to the world. It is part of His mission. He takes it very seriously. It is judgment that is fire. It is to burn away all the junk and purify that which is good and real and holy. Now, that is ultimately good for us, so very good for us, and it is a key element of God's work of making all things new, but it hurts. It's hard. Now, we need to remember the religious landscape of Jesus' time. He was, he was a faithful Jewish man raised in the synagogue. He knew that Hebrew Bible backward and forward, and I am sure that Jesus watched in dismay 
as supposedly faithful religious leaders turned God's hope for blessing the world into a machine designed to bless them and keep the Roman national leaders happy. It seems that each time God reorders the faith-holding element of God's people, we quickly fall prey to that temptation to make God in our image and to use faith as a tool to get what we want. It would have been much easier for Jesus and the disciples to, to just start afresh, disconnected from that dysfunctional temple complex, but the divine judgment coming in Jesus cannot allow that, for the line dividing evil and good passes through every human heart. We must all be purified by this judgment, otherwise this thing won't ever be made right. Jesus, with a hint of of irritation, verses 54, 55, 56, he says, you hypocrites, you ought to be able to tell that this is coming. You should know, you should see the signs. Jesus laments that this hard and painful work is happening and he wishes it could be over before it even starts, that we could somehow just quickly burn away all the false pretense of a religion far too tainted by the desires of selfish people sacrificing true holiness on the altar of rightness and false peace. We look to the religious landscape of our day. What do we see? Well, we we Christians, like the Jews before us, we still do pander to the powers that be, trading influence for protection and votes for status. We do that sometimes. Some religious leaders still do use their churches to get rich, but that really isn't our game anymore. We've got something different going on, and I must say, this is hard to say, I think it's true. Rather, we preachers, myself included, we have raised, we have raised five, at least five generations of overindulged, spoiled adherence to something called churchianity, not Christianity. And now we wonder what's happening. Well, the chickens are coming home to roost, as they say. That's what's happening. These older churchians, why, they search for the church echo chamber of their choice where they can be affirmed in every thought and idea not ever challenged by Jesus and the gospel. That's what they're looking for. The, the middle-aged churchians, now that's where I am, we look for the flash, the entertainment, the used-to-be-so-good moments. We hunger for the days of six flags over Jesus when, when the churches were full, the people were fat and happy, and nobody talked about anything controversial ever. Nothing for us is ever as good as it used to be. We're in a constant state of depression. The younger churchians, why, (laughs) there aren't any of them. Truth be told, they gave this game up as soon as they left the house, and they aren't coming back until they see something real. We worry about their children, the lost generation. We'd like to blame it on them that they only come at Christmas Eve But is it really their fault that they saw through the thin veneer of a sweet little Jesus made in our own image? Is that their fault or is that our fault? Now, here come the judge again with his fire to burn away the junk and purify the good. It hurts. 
We, like Jesus, wish it could be over like the ripping off of a Band-Aid, but it takes time and honesty and vulnerability and the willingness for things to be different on the other side of this than they were on this side of this. How in the world are we to love like Jesus in an age of division that in no small way is of our own making? Jesus gives us an answer, and it may put us at odds with our churchian sisters and brothers. The only answer to this problem is authentic faith in Jesus, the one we meet every day in the Scriptures, not the one on the bumper stickers and the billboards. We live in a time when you can Google a Jesus made in your image, one who never expects much from you, one who doesn't challenge you or confront you, one who is sweet and easy, but it won't be the one that we meet in the Scriptures, and it won't be authentic Christian faith. It'll be something else. If you're looking for the real deal, and I suggest that you do, be on the lookout for the Jesus who calls us to first reject the temptation to judge others, showing us instead how to invite them into our lives. Look for the one who preaches love and forgiveness while also living it in very complicated situations. Look for the one who consistently challenges the political and religious status quo by being with the problem people, not the holy people. That's what Jesus taught us in the Gospels. Find the people who are interested in following the Jesus revealed to us in the Scriptures. They are humble and full of love and grace. They don't have all the answers, and they will readily confess that the Jesus encountered in the Scriptures encourages them, loves them, is saving them, but mostly challenges them every single day with a call to deeper, more intentional love for God and for neighbor and even for self, especially when that call puts them at odds with the world around them. Jesus, Jesus is the one who loves us all too much to leave us where we are today. We must learn to trust him as judgment comes so that we can ultimately relax, just relax, relax, and let's love like Jesus, healing our way through this age of division. Real peace is within our grasp, peace with God, peace with each other, and a peace that seeks the well-being of all people. For goodness sake, I think it is time for us to give each other permission. Let's don't get too stressed out about the journey. We don't know all the twists and turns, but we do know this. Loving like Jesus will get us there every single time. Don't be fooled by the image of peace wrapped in agreement and sameness of thought. The reality of peace, the unity of the Spirit that is the bond of peace that we find in Jesus Christ, that is far better and far closer than you might imagine. We just need to do one thing. We just need to decide, just decide if that's what we want or not. That's what I want. And based on what I see around here, that's what you want too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. 